0: Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Cameron Sprinkle. Uh, for those of you. <laughs> and that's all I have. Thank you. Uh, I'm so uh, grateful for your support and your love uh, for me. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, like Paul said, I'm the, uh, I lead worship at the Carmel campus. Uh, it's so great to be with you today. It's so great to see so many uh, wonderful faces. I like to say the multi-site. is kind of like when uh, I got married, and, and every holiday brought about the decision of who you get to be with for the holiday. And every holiday, there was somebody that you loved a lot that you didn't get to be with, and that's what it's like every single Sunday for me because I've so many people here that I love. Uh, but marriage is a beautiful thing, and multi-site's been a beautiful thing too. Um, but I am glad to be here back in Noblesville with you again. Uh, you know, uh, last Saturday uh, I celebrated my 30th birthday, which I think, yeah. I think that, that is pretty impressive, uh, that I've managed to, to keep myself alive all these years. And uh, I've done some things that I will take credit for that contributed to that. Uh, I drive the speed limit, I obey traffic laws, I work out a couple times a year, and uh, if looking back though, I can say with certainty that there's one thing on earth that has contributed to my well-being and the, the decisions that I've made, uh, my sustenance, my joy, it's, it's the relationships. Uh, that I've been a part of. And uh, last Saturday for my 30th birthday, uh, Carissa, my wife, she's down there in the blue next to me. Uh, she uh, gave me 30 surprises for my birthday, uh, culminating in this one grand, grand surprise at Orange Leaf, which Orange Leaf would have been good enough as the grand finale. Uh, but she also surprised me with uh, a bunch of my friends, uh, many of whom are in my connection group and some are even uh, not my connection group, some are even from other churches. And uh, these people uh, represent uh, some of the best relationships and some of the most fruitful relationships in my life. And uh, so it was just a wonderful time. And so relationships is something I'm really, really passionate about. Uh, so we're in this series called Only Love where we're talking about how we look to uh, so many things in our lives to do what only love can do. And uh, last week, uh, in week one, Steve talked about uh, how only love can raise what's dead. And last week, Ben Krauss talked about how only love uh, can give us purpose. And, and today, I wanted, the message is called uh, only Love Can Restore Relationships, and we're going to talk about the significance of relationships. We're going to talk about them in two contexts. We're going to talk about uh, our relationship with God, our vertical relationship, and then our horizontal relationship, uh, our relationships with each other. Um, and uh, <clears throat> before we get started, I want to read from this passage just to show you a little bit of, of the Father's heart. This is Isaiah 61, uh, verses 1 through 3. This is a prophecy about Jesus, and uh, there are many places in the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah, where they have these really epic prophecies that say what Jesus is going to do when he gets here. And so I love uh, this verse. This verse says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, what I want you to get from this verse is simply that God is in the business of restoration. God loves restoration. You can see the Father's heart in this passage. Uh, you can see his heart for restoration in this passage because we, in this passage we see Uh, healing, we see freedom, we see favor, we see comfort, we see beauty, and we see praise as a result. And it's all for the display of his splendor. So if you want to see a a tangible, visible, earthly uh, glimpse of God's heart for us, you can look at any loving parent. Uh, Because what any loving parent desires is uh, to have a connection with their child. And uh, as a parent, you just want to know what's going on with your child's life. You want to communicate them uh, with them. Uh, you just want to be connected to them. And as a parent, uh, what breaks your heart more than anything is separation from your child. And I'm not a parent yet, uh, but uh, I know that I saw that in my parents' eyes whenever I would create separation from them. There's a lot of ways to, be, to create separation uh, between a parent and a child. Um, there's emotional separation. Uh, there may be physical separation uh, when you move uh, far away Uh, And the worst kind maybe is even a rebellious separation where the child is choosing to be separated from you. And uh, that's the way God's heart is too. Uh, God wants to have a connection with each of us as his children, and what breaks his heart is separation from us as his children. And what he wants is to have a healthy relationship with you, and he also wants you to have a healthy relationship with others. So, uh, before we move on, I want to define this idea of a relationship. What is a relationship? Well, at the very simplest, I think a relationship is knowing and being known. If you know someone and they know you, then you have a relationship. Now, I've got this uh, a situation that happens every so often in public. Maybe this has happened to you, uh, where I will see someone, maybe at the grocery store or the mall, uh, and I think, I feel like I should say hi. I feel like I know this person but I can't put my finger on how I know them. And so, like, I'm racking my brain. All this happens within, like, you know, three seconds. And I'm racking my brain thinking, like, where do I know this person? And I finally realize where I know this person from. I know this person because they're in my friend's Facebook pictures. But I'm not actually friends with them, and, and we've never actually met. You, you, anybody ever had this happen? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, abort greeting mission, abort greeting mission. <laughs> I will not have a good explanation as to why I know them if I say hi. (laughs) That's because I don't have a relationship with them. I know them, but they don't know me. So uh, why do relationships matter, and why would God care about our relationships? Well, God desires unity in his family the same way a parent desires to see their kids get along. We're all God's kids, and he wants to see us get along. Another reason that uh, God wants to see uh, our relationships healed, though, is because Uh, relationships impact who we are, how we behave, what we believe, how we serve, Uh, good relationships empower us, edify us, encourage us, and comfort us, and bad relationships hinder us, distract us, discourage us, and sometimes nearly destroy us. And so I want you to think of a relationship in your life uh, that is either broken, warped, or weak. We're going to get real serious real quick here. Anybody that knows me, you know I like to kind of cut to the chase and talk about our hearts, so let's just cut to the chase talk about our hearts. So a broken relationship is one where uh, maybe there was an event or a series of events that led to a harsh break off of your relationship, maybe to the point that you don't even want a relationship with that person anymore. And there are serious forgiveness and healing issues to be dealt with. Uh, a warped relationship is one where maybe your relationship uh, isn't broken, but it's dysfunctional. Uh, you interact, but you're never fully honest. And you always kind of have to, you have this dynamic in your relationship that you always kind of have to dance around. That's a warped relationship. And then a weak relationship is one where maybe there's no hurt or dysfunction, uh, but the relationship isn't as strong um, or as connected as you want it to be or think it should be. Um, I believe that God cares deeply about each one of these relationships in your life, the broken, the warped, and the weak relationships in your lives. Uh, He wants to see see unity in us. And so as I'm asking you to consider this, before I go on, uh, I want to ask something of you. Uh, I am going to be vulnerable with you today. Uh, that's my personality, and it comes kind of natural for me. But uh, even in this moment, it's still a choice for me to be vulnerable uh, with you as we go throughout this message. I'm going to share uh, some personal things in my life, and I want to ask of you: Would you be vulnerable with me? Uh, could we just set aside uh, maybe the, the thought that we go to church and, and kind of uh, let the pastor do his thing, and, and then uh, I'll just maybe maybe I'll latch on, maybe not. Let's latch on. Uh, let's really lean into this moment, and I want to ask that uh, you would open up your hearts. Uh, for evaluation of your own heart and that you would open up the relationships in your life uh, for evaluation also. And uh, the reason that I'm asking you to do that is because God wants our whole heart. And if you've got a part of your heart that is locked up where no one is allowed, and that's a part of your heart that God is not getting. And I want God to have your whole heart. And so I'm going to be vulnerable with you. Be vulnerable with me. Uh, Open your mind and believe uh, in your hearts that with God, all things are possible. Would you do that with me? Now, we're not going to go around and ask every single one of you uh, what your relationship with your dad is like currently, so don't worry about that, uh, but I do want you to be vulnerable with me. So, um, first, in the first half of this message, we're going to take a few uh, minutes to look talk about three key aspects of a healthy relationship, and I'm going to ask you to evaluate these things in yourself. The first part of this message is going to be kind of practical, uh, but I think it's necessary, and... Um, I'm willing to bet that if there's a broken, warped, or weak relationship in your life, I'm willing to bet that it's missing one of these three uh, key elements. And the purpose of this segment is that I want it to be kind of be uh, a relationship check-up appointment uh, for you to do a self-evaluation. And you're going to be tempted many times during this segment to think of somebody in your life and think, oh, man, this person needs to hear this. Oh, man, I need to get well, – give me that podcast. I'm going to get it to this person because they, they need to shape up a little bit. and They need to hear this. But I want to clarify, this message isn't for anyone else outside of this room. This message is for you. Turn to the person next to you and say, this message is for me. There's so much, so much giggling during that segment. I just hope you're taking this seriously. I trust you are. All right, so the first uh, element of a healthy relationship is trust. And that may seem obvious to you, uh, but trust is, is uh, very significant and it runs very, very deep. And so we have to be able to trust each other. And what it means to trust each other, we have to be able to trust each other's intentions. We have to be able to trust each other's words. Uh, and so we have to, with intentions, we have to believe that this person has uh, my best interests in mind or your best interests in mind. if we don't believe that, then, then we're off to a really, really bad start in having a relationship with someone and we also have to be able to trust uh, what, what we say. And so uh, there's a, a few ways that uh, we screw up this whole trusting what we say thing. And, and one of the ways that we deteriorate uh, people's trust in us is that we don't tell the whole truth. And so on Sunday, we say, how are you doing? You say, busy. We're good. We're busy, but good. That's all we really say. And eventually you realize that you've, there's people uh, maybe here at church that you have no idea what their life is really like. You have no idea what their weaknesses are. You have no idea. You wouldn't know if they were having a bad day because you start putting it together. Like, they're always busy but good. And I never, I never get a real answer from them. Let me ask you this. Do you uh, trust people who never seem to tell you the whole truth? I don't. Now, I'm not saying that on your way in you should shake the host team member's hand and say I had a big fight with my mom last night. that's how I'm doing. How are you doing? But I am saying there should be somebody in your life that knows how things are really going. Uh, And the second way that we screw up our verbal integrity and the way that people trust us with what we say is that we're passive aggressive. Uh, And we say things in slightly non-confrontational ways because we're too afraid to be honest. So we say things like, well, you can skip your brother's birthday party if you feel like it's not important. (laughs) That's not leaving a lot of room for like my side of the story, is it? That drives me nuts, I'll just be honest. Uh, Don't be passive aggressive, say what you mean. Now ask yourself, am I a person who can calmly and thoughtfully tell someone when I've got a problem with them? Or am I a person who avoids confrontation and tries to just drop hints here and there and hope that that person kind of figures it out? The answers to these questions are important because they impact the way that people trust you. Uh, Can people trust what you say? Are you completely honest? Are you reliable as a person? These things impact our relationships. So we have to be able to trust each other, and we have to be able to trust God. And so what does it mean to trust God? Well, to trust God is the same thing. We have to trust his intentions. We have to trust his words. We have to believe that he wants what's best for us, and we have to believe what he says. And so maybe you're here today, and you're having a hard time trusting God, or maybe you're even having a hard time believing that there's a God who cares about the details in your life. Uh, I want you to know that I understand the struggle of trusting God. God. Um, some of you uh, were around maybe a, a month or so ago uh, when we uh, showed the video of uh, my wife and I sharing our story of infertility. Uh, we've been trying to conceive uh, a child for about two years and thus far unsuccessful. Some of you will notice that Chris is not here today. That's not why. Uh, we haven't gotten, uh, we haven't conceived yet. Uh, she's just not feeling well today. Um, but uh, throughout that process, it was, it was my trust in God was really, really rattled. I'm somebody who grew up in church, grew up. Uh, Knowing Jesus and loving Jesus, that I still, when I hit this hurdle, it was really hard to trust God, and it really came to a fever pitch one particular Sunday. uh, In at the Carmel campus, we had to stand up, my wife and I, uh, every week and proclaim these these truths that we believed, but that we didn't understand, as we led worship time and time again. And uh, one particular Sunday, um, we played and sang the song "Great Is Thy Faithfulness," which is one of my very favorite songs. And uh, I played the guitar, and Carissa sang it, and only by the power of the Holy Spirit did we both get through that song without doing the ugly cry and really just uh, disrupting the entire service. And uh, after that set, we went backstage. Uh, I went, walked right around the curtain. I sat down my guitar, walked around the curtain where nobody could see anymore, and I just burst into tears, and I just cried. And I said, Lord, why us? Why are you letting this happen to us? I'd be a good dad. Carissa would be a loving mother. Why would you let this happen to us? And I felt like the Lord said to me, uh, Cameron, it's you to because you have a lot of people watching you, and I want to teach all of them something. And I said, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. <laughs> Count me out, buddy. And he said, which he always has such, such wisdom, he said, Cameron, you prayed for years that you would make me influential for the sake of Jesus, and you can't quit now. You can't have it both ways. You can't stop being influential when the going gets tough. And I was so convicted by that. And it increased my trust in him because now I saw that I hadn't been forgotten. I saw that he was being intentional. I saw that there was a purpose to this. And I, my trust increased not because of what I saw, uh, but what I heard uh, from the Lord. And, uh, you know, that video that, that we showed, there was a longer version we showed on Facebook, ended up getting like 15,000 views as people got shared like 80 times. And people we didn't know were uh, messaging us and telling us things that they had learned about God from that video. And those words echoed in my my heart and in my head. A lot of people watching you, and I want to teach them all something. God does what he says he's going to do. But I trusted him not because of what I saw, but because of what I heard from him. And the more I know him, the more I trust him, the more. And you can't know someone uh, without communication. And that's the second uh, key element of a healthy relationship is communication. Now, communication is simply talking and listening, but despite how simple it is, I think we are really, really bad at it uh, as humans and as a society. Um, You know, talking to uh, God is is very uh, simple, but for some reason we get, uh, we we start to treat it a little bit like on the the Wizard of Oz when they go with their trembling knees and going before uh, the Wizard of Oz, as if we like can't talk to him as if he's a father. But he is a father that loves us and that wants to hear from us. And so Uh, talking to God can be as simple as the way that I'm talking to you right now. Now, there's certainly reverence to be held uh, for the name of Jesus. There's reverence to be held in our hearts. Uh, but We also see uh, in the Bible, especially from David, a model of being honest and vulnerable with God. And so we can just talk to him uh, out loud. We can talk to him kind of silently, and we can journal. Those are uh, three great ways uh, to talk to God. And uh, there's a couple ways to listen to God. Um, Meditating in prayer. Uh, If you ever went to uh, coffee with someone, with a friend, and you sat down with them, and you talked for an hour, and then you said, good to see you, and you just left, what kind of relationship would that be if you didn't give them an opportunity to speak? And so that's one way we can listen to God is that when we pray, we don't just get up and leave. When we pray, we stay in that position, and we stay in that opportunity, and we say, Lord, what do you have to say? Speak. Your servant is listening. Another way we can listen to God is, is by reading his word. He lays out, comfort, encouragement, conviction, so many things that he wants to say to us uh, through this word, through this book that, uh, that we have in our, many of us have in our hands and many of us have in our pockets with our phones. You can hear from God just by reading his word. And uh, the last, the third way that you can hear from God is by seeking godly counsel uh, from other people in your life uh, to say, what's the Lord teaching you? Maybe he's got something that, that I can learn from also. And so communication, uh, talking and listening, is crucial in your relationship with God. And it's crucial in your relationship with others. Uh, Because when we speak to others, uh, and we need to speak to others, we need to be honest and vulnerable. And we need to say what we mean, going back to that passive-aggressive thing. Don't make people try to figure out uh, what you really want or what you're really trying to say. Uh, And I think part of the reason we do this is because uh, so many times we want to be known, but we don't want to be vulnerable. And if you want to be known, you're going to have to be vulnerable. And I think that, uh, we were designed to share things with each other. We were designed to process and talk through things. And if you don't have a place to do that, I want you to know that connection groups are a great place to do that. And I believe in connection groups. Uh, I joined one, uh, soon after I I came to Genesis and and that group has been, uh, transformative in my life and in the way that, that God has grown me. And it's been a great place to process things. Um, but I want to ask that question, uh, is there anyone in your life who knows how things are really going for you? And if not, uh, I would encourage you uh, to join a group or to find somebody that can know you that way. We need to be sharing our thoughts. We need to be communicating with each other. And we also need to be listening to each other. And uh, the Bible gives us some really clear uh, and wise uh, words on this matter. In James 1:19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry, so that's another maybe uh, relationship checkup. Are you quick to listen and slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Now here's a couple practical ways uh, to be quick to listen, and these are simple. Don't finish people's. You're doing good. You're doing real good. <laughs> Don't finish people's sentences. Uh, Don't assume you know where they're going with the story. And don't overzealously relate uh, to uh, their story and make it about you and tell your whole story when they're maybe really kind of trying to pour out their heart. Try to be sensitive to whether or not they need to hear your story in that moment. Uh, And here's the biggest one. Maybe don't try to solve every single problem that someone has. Uh, Just listen and let them feel heard. It's so valuable to feel heard. And that's a gift that you can give to someone, uh, you know, who's a great listener uh, our Carmel campus pastor, Steve Wallen, and I'm so grateful for that because uh, Monday through uh, Thursday, when we're in the office, I know that I can come and and plop down and sit in his office and talk about anything that I need to talk about, and he's just going to drop what he's doing and just listen and give me his full attention. And sometimes he responds with helpful instruction, and sometimes he just responds with compassionate eyes and a nod that says he understands what I'm communicating. And sometimes that's all I need. And most of the time, that's all I need. Most of the time, we just need to be heard and not fixed. And that's true for most people. Most of the time, most people need to be heard and not fixed. Now, notice I said need. I'm not saying they want to be heard, not fixed. They do want to be heard, not fixed, but they need to be heard, not fixed. It's actually what's best for them. Sometimes we think, well, it's, it's, it's nice to hear them, but I need to fix them. No, you need to hear them. So, how are you doing at communicating honestly and listening? Listening is a sacrifice you can make, and it's often a sacrifice that's unseen, uh, but it's a way of giving of yourself to invest into a relationship. And that's the third element of a healthy relationship is sacrifice. A sacrifice is giving of yourself, expecting nothing in return. In other words, it's it's, don't be selfish. Uh, By giving of yourself, you are showing proof of your investment into a relationship. So uh, in our relationship with each other, we can make sacrifices by uh, making these relationships a priority, um, by pursuing time with other people and by doing thoughtful things for them. Uh, and this is really hard for me because I can be a little bit uh, selfish. Um, I can say to myself, oh, they know, they know that I love them. I, I could do this thing for them, but they, they already know that I love them. But John Mayer says that love is a verb. <laughs> and the Bible says that too. That God so loved the world that he gave. And that's what you do when you love someone, you give something of yourself. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so, if we love others, we will give something of ourselves to them. And if we love God, we will give something of ourselves to him. God wants sacrifice from us because he wants to see that we're invested in the relationship. Now, I'm not talking about a sacrifice that atones your sin. Uh, That sacrifice has been made, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but I'm talking about a sacrifice that shows God, I'm in, I'm invested in this relationship with you. Uh, So you may be wondering, how do we make a sacrifice for God? Well, there's so many ways, but at Genesis, we start by saying, celebrate, connect, and contribute. We believe that if you do do those things uh, with all of your heart, that is a great way to get started in showing God the proof of your investment uh, in that relationship. And ultimately, it's about giving up things. Uh, To make God's values a priority, Uh, we say celebrate, connect, and contribute. But those aren't rules or qualifications as to how good of a Christian you are. Uh, We believe that these are the best ways to live. We believe that God has called those called us to do those things so that we can be in connection with Him and connection with the body. We believe those are the best things for us. It's how we show the proof of our investment. Now, God showed His proof of investment by making the ultimate sacrifice and sending His Son Jesus. To die for us, So, I want to take a, a few minutes and talk about Christ's sacrifice because understanding his sacrifice is the key to understanding reconciliation. Uh, so, why did Christ have to, to die? Why did God have to make a sacrifice? Uh, in Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. So that he will not hear. Have you ever been uh, FaceTiming or Skyping with someone and the screen freezes, but you can still talk to that person? Maybe, maybe with the uh, Mumo. <laughs> on uh, I, I, this is actually from a long time ago, and I'm so glad that I saved it. Just with the perfect, perfect photo for this moment. Every on Thursdays uh, we do an inter-campus uh, FaceTime between, uh, usually me and Steve, and then. Uh, Paul, Ben, and Josh, to kind of make sure we're all on the same page. And uh, I feel like we're cruising along at about a 50% uh, success rate because every other time it seems like our screen, oh, it's always in Carmel, uh, our screen freezes. And we say, uh, it's frozen, and we're not sure like if they can still see us. And they, and they always say, it's good over here. It must be on your side. <clears throat> and uh, what we realize is that uh, on their end, everything's still moving and the is still working. But on our end, uh, the connection's gone bad. Uh, And that is uh, what it's like in our relationship with God, is that it requires a connection on both ends, and the connection is on our side. On his side, the connection is still good, but on our side, there's a problem, and that problem is called sin. And uh, we talk a lot about sin, and that's a word that that we're familiar with, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about what sin is exactly and why it's such a big problem. Uh, Sin is when we don't uphold the Father's values, uh, parents, you understand that, right? Parents in this room, do you have values that you expect your children to uphold? You can nod if you do. Doesn't it break your heart when your children choose not to uphold those values? Well, people have tried to reduce Christianity reduce Christianity to a strict moral code, a set of rules, but ultimately they're a set of values given by a loving father. They're constructed uh, by a loving father. And in the same way that Uh, a loving parent constructs boundaries for their child. Uh, God has constructed boundaries for us. And so a loving parent would say, don't play in the road. And the the child may say, well, I need that spot for second base because we're playing baseball and it's in the shape of a diamond and I need to be able to go out there. That was my argument when I was a kid. I needed that spot for second base. But a good parent would say, no, you got to stay in the yard. That's not good for you. And they may say, well, there's no cars coming. You say, no, eventually a car will come. And you just got to trust me that I know what's best for you. And in the same way, the Lord has constructed boundaries in our life uh, in order for us to uh, be protected. And in the same way that our that, that children can't really have the capacity to understand uh, the love with which those boundaries have been put into place, we as God's children, uh, even as adults, as smart as we all are now, I don't think we have the capacity to fully understand the love with which those boundaries have been put in place for us as adults. Now, the very nature of a boundary is that uh, it separates two things. And so if there had been a boundary put in place, then uh, you as a parent in the front yard example, you say, here's the yard, here's the boundary, and here's the road. Don't cross that boundary. When you do, you've chosen separation from me. And in the same way, the Lord has constructed boundaries for us. And he says, here's my will, here's the boundary, and here's what you're not supposed to do. And when you cross that boundary, you are choosing separation from God, from the Father that loves you. Now, uh, our sin against God has, caused, has created separation on a cosmic level. There once was harmony with all things, and then there was an offense uh, with Adam and Eve. And if you think that uh, Adam and Eve uh, screwed it up for everyone, just know we all probably would have done that. We all eventually would have made a mistake. So those poor guys, they get a bad rap just because they were the first ones. Um, we, each of us, have, uh, in our sin and rebellion, we've each offended the creator of the universe. When I say offended, I don't mean like a, a hoity-toity, like, I am offended that you didn't wear a tie you know, to dinner. Uh, I'm talking about an offense as in like a, a crime. There's a crime that we have committed against our Father and the creator, creator of the universe. And for many years, I wondered, why couldn't God just like wave some pixie dust, uh, look the other way, and just forgive us? Why did Jesus have to die on a cross? There's a very good reason for that. It's because God is a good judge. And a good judge is something that we all value uh, across uh, religious backgrounds, across uh, demographics. Uh, We've seen that uh, in high-profile cases uh, in the news even over the last year that whenever there's someone that we think uh, has committed a crime or an offense and they don't get punished, everybody loses their minds. That's because we all value justice. We all hate seeing the bad guy get away. Anytime you see a movie or a TV show that ends with the bad guy not getting caught or getting away, driving away into the sunset, it goes against your very fiber of your being. It kind of makes you sick. And there's a reason for that. It's because God values justice and he's built that value of justice into his children. Uh, There are so many things uh, that we naturally value and understand simply because God has built those things into who we are. Uh, That's why uh, sometimes non-Christians or authors or filmmakers will inadvertently back into and portray godly concepts. And my favorite example of this is the concept of the superhero. Uh, The concept of the superhero is that when all hope is lost, there's one person who will rise up with the power to save everyone else. Does that sound like a, a story you've heard before? we have so they that's a part of who we are and yet uh someone comes along with the idea you know what superman i got this brand new idea superman will have the power to save all of humanity batman will have the power to save all of humanity spider-man one man to save everyone else we all have this idea of a savior rescuing everyone in our hearts because that's the story that we're a part of because that was god's idea and justice was god's idea and justice says uh, that when there is an offense, there must be a punishment. Um, Isaiah 61, we had it on, on the screen for a second. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. Um, and justice says when there is an offense, there must be a punishment. And the word reconciliation means to make accounts consistent. So to reconcile our sin would mean to make the punishment consistent with the crime. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so God, being a good judge, said that there had to be a death to pay for our sin. And then came the greatest curveball in history, that no one saw coming, because with great love and compassion, Jesus provided that death on our behalf. Colossians 1.19 says uh, about Jesus, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. That's how Christ reconciled our relationship with God Uh, Through the death and through his death and resurrection, and it wasn't something that we deserved, but it was something that brought about by God's grace. And so, this is the point of all this. This It's something that we have to understand. You and I, we're the bad guys that got away. We're the bad guys that never had to do time uh, for our crime. We never had uh, to pay the punishment for our sins because Jesus paid that for us. Ephesians uh, two, verse eight and nine says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And this should change uh, the way that we view people's offenses toward us. So many times we view a, reconciliation, a reconciliatory conversation as an opportunity for justice instead of an opportunity for unity. We think of it as, I'm the good guy, I want to go talk to the bad guy. But actually, we're both bad guys in need of grace. And so that has to change the way that we view reconciliation. Uh, reconcilia- reconciling relationships can't be about seeking justice. It has to be about seeking unity. Um, in Proverbs verse 28, verse 5, it says, Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand it completely. And I think what that's saying is that if you understand justice completely, you understand the offense of your sin You understand your need for a punishment. You understand the grace with which Jesus took the punishment for your sin. And if you understand the grace with which Jesus took the punishment for your sin, then you can begin to extend that grace to someone else. God resolved this injustice issue by having compassion for his offenders. That's how he dealt with justice. And that's how we should resolve our justice issues with each other. Relationships cannot be reconciled without grace. Relationships cannot be reconciled without grace. So to close, I have uh, three challenges for us. Um, And so the first challenge is is to reconcile your relationship with God. And so um, maybe if you don't have a relationship with God, uh, maybe you've never uh, accepted Christ's love for you, accepted his grace for you, you can start today uh, by confessing your sin, uh, by accepting God's gift of grace. Um, And at the end of our service, we're going to have Paul and I will be up here, and we'll have other people up here as well. Uh, Who would love to talk to you and pray with you if you'd like to make that decision, if you'd like to talk more about that. Now, maybe you uh, have once accepted this gift, and once you and God were cool, but today maybe you're not cool anymore. Maybe you feel like your relationship with God is broken, warped, or weak. uh, And I want to challenge you today uh, to reconcile your relationship with God. And maybe you need to have uh, an ugly and honest conversation with Him, but He wants to hear from you, and He wants to be connected to you. And uh, we have to have that relationship reconciled first in order to have what we need to go reconcile our relationship with others because it's with our, the humility and the understanding of our need for grace that we can seek reconciliation with others. And so with everything that comes from, from that, we uh, can pursue reconciliation in our earthly relationships. And that's my second challenge to you is to uh, maybe you're good with God, but you need, there's someone in your life that you need to pursue reconciliation with. Now, there's a caveat to this. Uh, real quick, if there's an abusive relationship in your life, uh, get out of that relationship and talk to someone about it. I do believe that there are some relationships that we just need to stay away from. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can provide uh, guidance and conviction as you navigate uh, this process and evaluate your relationships. And so if you need help navigating that process, again, we would love to help you with that. But in many cases, uh, we know who this person is and we feel this uh, conviction in this uh, this uh, knot in our stomach when we think about uh, talking to this person, we know we should probably have that conversation. If you know who that person is, I want you to pray for compassion and wisdom and courage to initiate this conversation. Um, And I believe that uh, as Christ followers, we're called to act first, Um, especially today. We now, having heard this, have the knowledge and the perspective and the awareness, and that doesn't make you superior in this dynamic. It makes you responsible. And I think it's on you now to go and initiate this conversation with this person. Now, some of you may be saying, Jesus said to turn the other cheek and just love your enemies. Well, he did say that. He was talking about your enemies. He wasn't talking about somebody that you have a relationship with. Uh, that was actually in reference to an evil person. And in, in Matthew 18, 15, uh, there's a precedent laid out for confrontation. It says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. And if the other person listens and confesses that you have won that person back. Now, you may be thinking... Uh, this will be too ugly. This will be way too hard, too awkward. Uh, It's not worth it. It's not possible that things could actually change. Uh, Well, I want to tell you uh, from experience that it is as ugly as you think it is, but it is worth it. And I say that uh, as a person who has had this conversation uh, with my dad. And uh, last week I had a really special moment because he uh, came down to Carmel and was in the room as I shared this part of the story. And and the fact that it wasn't awkward for me to do that was a, a, uh, um indication of, of how much healing got done in our life. But uh, growing up, my dad was a hunting-shooting type of guy, and uh, I was uh, in the kitchen with mom singing songs type of guy. And uh, we didn't really uh, see eye to eye. I didn't understand him, and I didn't feel understood by him. And uh, there were a lot of things that uh, that brought separation in our relationship, but it got to a point where... There, I really didn't even want a relationship with him, uh, that it was uh, a broken relationship. And probably coming out of college, I just thought I didn't even want to, to to be friends with my dad. Um, and long story short, eventually, it was like uh, the Holy Spirit wrestled me to the ground and said, Cameron, you can't move on with your life until you have this conversation. And so I sat down with my dad, and uh, I shared with him uh, the ways that he'd hurt me, the way that, uh, the thing, the way that impacted me, and it got worse. <laughs> It got uh, even, even worse, and, and that's something you're going to see if you have this conversation. It's going to get worse before it gets better, and uh, but it had to get worse because what happened was when I shared those things with him, uh, he began to cry uh, tears of hurt, and um, I'd never seen my dad cry tears of hurt before, and that was the first moment in my life that I ever felt true and pure compassion for him, and that changed uh, the way that I saw him, And uh, from that moment on, I began to give him grace, and I began to forgive him for the things that he didn't do well. And uh, we, that conversation did not end like a Hallmark commercial. Uh, Neither did the next one, but we kept having them. And eventually, uh, we're to the point today where I call my dad my friend, and I say that I'm proud to be his son, and I'm proud of the man that he is too. It was ugly, but it was worth it. And, uh, you know, our reconciliation with God was ugly too, because uh, Jesus, brutally beaten, and crucified was ugly, but that's how God brought about reconciliation, and that's what God was willing to do to reconcile his relationship with you through his grace, and so what ugliness are you willing to initiate and endure for the sake of reconciliation? It may be possible that you go through this process and come out the other side with no progress whatsoever, but I believe that what God can do in your heart through that process is worth going through the process, um, and then the third thing, and this is, uh, this is a, a challenge Uh, to everyone, what if you are the person that someone needs reconciliation with? What if there's someone in your life who wishes they could be honest with you? What if that person's sitting next to you today? What if it's your son or your daughter or your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law, and they desperately wish they could have unity with you, but they feel like they can't because they can't be honest with you? Wouldn't that break your heart? Wouldn't you want healing for that circumstance and unity for that relationship. Well, if that were true, you wouldn't know it, right? That's, that's the reason that this is so shocking to you. Uh, well, I want to ask you to do something radical, I have to say four words that are absolutely counterintuitive and countercultural. How am I doing? You can go to your spouse, to so your brother, your sister, your brother or sister in law, your mother, your, your father. You say, How am I doing as a son? How am I doing as a spouse? How am I doing uh, as a friend? How am I doing as a sibling? And open up your heart with humility and compassion for whatever they've got to say. They may say, well, you know what? Sometimes I feel like uh, I always drive two hours to see you, but you don't ever come to see me, and that, that's, that hurts me. You don't know what they're going to say, but you have to open up your heart and say, how am I doing? And so, uh, to close, uh, what relationship needs reconciled in your life? Your relationship with God uh, or your relationship with someone else? So those are the, to recap the challenge. One is pursue relationship, uh, pr- pursue reconciliation with God. Uh, two, pr- pray about a reconciliatory conversation with someone. And three, ask people in your life how you're doing, and invite them to have that reconciliatory conversation with you. Um, God brought about justice and reconciliation with compassion and grace, and that's how we can bring about reconciliation. So in a minute, the band's going to come out and play a song, and as they do, I want you to, to invite you to strongly consider which of these three next steps. Uh, You need to take in restoring your relationships. I want to close with this verse from Second Corinthians, uh, verse uh, five, verse eighteen. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against Him, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.
1: Father in heaven, we thank you. Uh, We thank you that through your love, you sent Jesus Christ, that you loved us so much, Lord, uh, that you were willing to give your son Uh, to provide a way back and uh, father we we thank you Uh, i thank you it is so good to be in relationship with you and how you welcome me back over and over again and for so many of us here but i realize that there may be somebody here today uh that that is feeling the pain of that broken relationship maybe feeling like they've let you down in some way lord Uh, father would you use this time right now to remind them of your love uh, your love for them and uh, maybe give them the boldness, to even to take, come take a step and uh, meet us up front, to pray with somebody uh, before they go today. But also, Father, open our hearts and minds to the possibilities of relationships around us that need to be reconciled. Uh, you sent your Son to establish a new kingdom where reconciliation and restoration is possible, Lord. Uh, so give us the desire today to make things right through you and your strength and your guidance uh, in our lives. Uh, We thank you and praise you. Uh, And it's in Jesus' name that we offer up all these things. Uh, Amen. Hey, we're going to leave a little uh, quieter today. Again, if you want to take some time in the room.